This is a Demon FM podcast. You are listening to Have You Seen It? with Tom, Ellis and Dan. Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Have You Seen It? podcast. It is me, Tom. Me, Dan. And me, Ellis. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about all things film, box office, new releases. You know how it is. So I don't think we have much to do on the in, on the introductions, apart from say that last last time was a bit of a bit of a big one, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, had a lot to talk about. So thankfully, or not so thankfully, we don't have we don't have a lot to talk about uh, this week because um, uh, you know it's been been a busy time for you know awards and things like that. Uh, it's been a wild week. We have got a uh, couple of things to look back on though today, haven't we? We so, do. Yeah, and a couple of reviews. Coming in our way so uh, I'll be talking about the new Uncut Gems today later on in the show. Tom I believe you've uh, looked back at some anime haven't you? Yes I've been looking back at some classic Studio Ghibli anime. I'll be talking about My Neighbor Totoro and Kiki's Delivery Service. And I'll be talking about uh, Miss Americana. So without further ado as always we're jumping into the box office first which yeah. uh, is predominantly uh, Dan's forte. Any any uh, any announcements before we head into the top five, Dan? Anything you'd like to say before? Yeah, there is. Uh, number 10 uh, was the rhythm section, Blake Lively's latest film, and that had a debut of $2.8 million, which is bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you can't guess. It was a, yeah. quite a wide release. I think it was in over 3,500 theatres, and it could barely scrape by $2.8 million. Yeah, it couldn't so, even do three million so that's a big flaw uh, but at number five we have the gentleman with six million dollars down 44 percent from last weekend i watched um grace's uh, video that she does every single week mm-hmm. and she says this is a hard drop for the gentleman it really isn't it for- doesn't look like it does it it's 44 percent. yeah 20.4 million for the domestic haul so far 22.5 international 42.9 worldwide uh on a 22 million dollar budget so not too bad no, it's, that's all right. You know, a modern Guy Ritchie film. So, I mean, no, not really, because he did Aladdin, which did really well. So Aladdin's a bit different. Though. Aladdin is 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 Disney, basically. It's not really the same Guy Ritchie film, is it? So, but uh, that's the Gentleman at number five. Yes, uh, number four we have Gretel and Hansel, another new release with six point one million domestic uh, on a five million dollar budget. So this is probably going to make money. Yeah, I can see, I can see it. I can see it making money. How? What was the budget? Five. Yes. Five million. Six million was its. 6.1 6.1 million was its take on its first weekend so you know it might do quite well for how long I'm not so sure but I think it might have a bit of a, a, some legs well the, th- know. the thing is with these uh, two new releases uh, they both have around a C cinema score so that means audiences are not very keen on them mm, yeah well which probably does mean some drops very very soon Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not an F. Obviously, we've had two so far. We were very, very close to having another two F films this weekend. Yeah. But 
NASCAR on that. Uh, number three, we have Doolittle with $7.7 million, down 37%. It's at 55.2 million domestic, 71.4 international, 126.6 worldwide, at $175 million, which still hasn't gone past its budget. No. Well, how are we feeling about this? Uh, because I was talking about it yesterday and I'm not surprised, um, but it's sort of irritating because it feels like it's a role that Robert Downey Jr. could have slipped into quite easily. Well, I mean, he did get some very, I'd say bad press. It's not like terrible press, but the whole like dragon scene where he puts his hand. Uh, I haven't seen it. I've just, I've, I've um, heard I, yeah. I haven't that, seen it. That, that's it. That, that yeah. just that, from the sound is very, it sounds very uncomfortable. I haven't seen it either, um, but I've heard about the scene where he, uh, he does something unspeakable to a dragon. And Fair enough. Yeah. All right. And okay. it came out that that was his idea. Oh. Oh, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, yes, I did hear about that as well. I heard that it happened. And then a, like, a, like a week later, like there was coming out that they'd said, oh yeah, it was his idea. So, like, oh, well, that, yeah, that explains, right. like, just some of the language I've just heard to describe the film. And how I, I thought it just, it must be really, yeah. really bad. But. This is, this is his, film basically he's producer on it him and his wife uh, are are big producers on it so they've done a lot to get this film moving and off the ground not not quite so what they expected but uh, yeah I think it's a return to the source material as well looking at all the uh, promotional stuff and I do think that even though it's been a while I do think the Eddie Murphy interpretation is probably stuck in people's minds mm. to the point where this seems like something very straight and very far away from what people are used to yeah even if it is a bit closer to the original version of the tale I, I hope that scene wasn't in the original source material well, yeah well hopefully it wasn't from what I've heard it, it's yeah why would you ever film that especially for a kids movie uh, I think this movie does deserve to go where the sun doesn't shine but number two we'll move on from dragons and their anatomy we'll go on to 1917 which won seven BAFTAs last night it did uh, it made $9.7 million, uh, down 39%. Actual worse drop than Doolittle, but Doolittle is a kid's film. Uh, $119.2 million domestic, $129.8 million international, uh, which brings its total up to $249 million worldwide. Uh, on a $100 million budget, this is doing extremely well. This is skyrocketing, uh, especially especially over here. Um <laughs> It's brought a lot of people that weren't interested in films, weren't interested in war films particularly together, and has done incredibly, incredibly successful, like successful numbers. I mean, just look at that two hundred forty-nine million already on a hundred million dollar budget. It was, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's quite, and and because it of its seven BAFTA wins, that will just keep the keep the train on running. Yeah. Um, um, so uh, I was looking on UK web, uh, box office website. So I don't know whether I've mentioned this before, but the film opened to 7.4 million pounds here, uh, but then it dropped 15% to 6.2, which is an incredible drop. And then it dropped uh, 23% to 4.5. Uh, and it's currently at 26.3 million pounds here in the UK. That's probably going to go up this weekend just because numbers haven't come out for the UK yet. But that's an incredible performance here in the UK at as well as in the US. Yeah. I mean, how high can this go? Probably 350, maybe. Yeah, I think 350, maybe a bit below 350, but that's not to say that this film is just doing, uh, just 
doing absolute bank at the box office, is it? So it's it's really good as well, which makes it even better. <laughs> uh, any? So yes, number one, we have Bad Boys for Life uh, with $17.7 million, down 48%. It's currently $148.1 million domestically, $142 million international, which brings its worldwide total to an incredible $290.8 million, more than I think any of us ever thought it would do, uh, on a budget of $90 million. So this is incredible oh yeah oh yeah i think i've i've i thought like many of us that a third bad boys film after years you know after the after the second one uh would not do the numbers uh but it's proved us wrong and it's doing really well how many weeks is that now dan it's its third week it's its third week um so and it it did pass um bad boys to become the highest grossing bad boys film of all time now yeah you know it's not like it's no surprise that the fourth one's already getting green there isn't it so yeah um it's 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 gonna be it's it's gonna it's it's a revitalizing time in the bad boys universe and you know people are really really enjoying it as as well they should and i'm sure that i'm sure that fourth installment won't come quick enough yes so you know so there is there is one more thing i want to talk about obviously next week Yep. We have Birds of Prey, mm-hmm. and that's currently uh, looking to do $49 million, uh, with a final gross in the U- US at 135 Do we think it's going to be like higher or lower uh... than 49 uh, To give some context, Shazam, uh, which came out in April last year, um, made $53.5 million. Yeah, yeah, I think... I don't think I think a safe bet is around around fifty million for opening. Um, maybe a bit, maybe a bit more, maybe a tiny little bit more than Shazam. But that's where that's what I, I don't think it's going to do like more. I don't think it's going to do like fifty over fifty five million. I don't expect it to have a particularly good opening weekend, mainly because it, it very it very highly um, comes down to Harley Quinn, I think. And I mean, you know my feelings towards Suicide Squad, but I think it has been almost, it's been a like the perfect amount of years where Suicide Squad was very split and a lot of, there was, there is a bit of a fan base for there. And I do remember the uh, Halloween that followed. It was like seeing a million of the same person. So I think it, it could comes down to because I think people I think that the hate has grown for the film over the years but then I don't know really on the side of you know people that did enjoy the film I know that the reception to the trailer wasn't the best and I think it's because of trying to sell this film as anything other than a Harley Quinn spin-off isn't it but we'll have to see what are you thinking Dan obviously reviews aren't out yet yeah they will come very 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 soon i think it's wednesday i'm not too sure i think the embargo lifts on wednesday i think this will actually outperform what they're saying the range is they're saying the range is 40 to 60 i think this will probably do 65 because if bad boys for life can do like 62 this is still a dc movie it is r-rated but obviously that doesn't really mean anything because we had joker but this isn't sought after 
I think is. I think it is, and I think I think there's a lot of. I think there's I think still the, a lot of the women audience will be a lot higher for this one. And there is still a lot of Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn hype and love out there. I think. Yeah, there is. It does, but I strangely, I do think it is in the younger audience. Um, it's. I think it's real. It really seemed to capture that sort of thirteen to seventeen-ish age range in mm. in young girls, or at least from you know from my, that's without any surveys being done. That's from my experience of people I've spoke to. Is that for Suicide Squad? Just, yeah, well, yeah, but the sort of general reception of Margot Robbie's interpretation of the character within that film, because I think a lot, yeah, I mean, that film, for all of its flaws and everything, mo- most people tend to sort of say, yeah, but they like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn and they like Will Smith as Deadshot. Well, Will Smith as Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, well, basically. Yeah. But she, she, was, she, was the, she was the most sort of most popular character after Suicide Squad without... Yeah. Without question. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, where are all those Halloween costumes come from? Yeah. I mean, exactly. exactly you know, so um Which is another reason why I think it's going to do that well. Mm. Because say what we want about Suicide Squad, it is terrible. But I feel like a lot of people did relate to the character Harley Quinn. Yeah, I just wonder if people have grown out of it. And that's the thing. I but, don't think they have because... I mean, I think that she's awful. But <laughs> that's, you know, that's my opinion. Uh, yeah, I don't like her version of the character where, at all. Whereas in my house, uh, we're all going to see it right. on the weekend. Or literally all of us. Right. All of us together, obviously. That, that That's very um, specific, an example. Yeah. But I feel like it's kind of like that for a lot of people well yeah because I mean like a, you, you have to with these sort of things you have to sort of localise it anyway and think of you know the people you spoke to unless there are I mean the numbers come from foreknowledge and stuff of how it's been received but yeah when you actually go out and speak to people and sort of see what other people were saying about when something is sort of an indirect follow follow up like this I haven't seen it around for a while though you know not since the first trailer um, dropped I haven't heard much about it since yeah um, but that i don't that tends to be the thing with films these days anyway mm. um it had a, it had a second trailer not too long ago yeah uh back around the new year uh, I, I just think that got people like more excited to see margot robbie as Harley. oh and probably i'm not sure how fans are going to take to uh ewan mcgregor's black mask you know he he seems quite you know quirky and sort of weird i guess that's what the the, the sort of the whole film looks like that it looks very colorful and very sort of very crash bang wallop yeah so um there there is still a fan base out there and you know they'll probably enjoy it interestingly the first trailer it has 21 million views but it has about 241 thousand uh likes but 23 thousand dislikes which is a fine ratio it's not bad it's not good but then the new trailer uh, which has um just about 8.4 million views has 237,000 likes so about the same as the last trailer but it has 14,000 dislikes or less mm. so it's kind of good that that's nothing to be sad about that's not yeah. a bad sign at all yeah. so i think i think it's going to do fine yeah, yeah it'll do it'll do fine it will it'll uh, do fine yeah. I, it'll, uh, like it will do quite quite well um but yes that's, that's it's um the full title is birds of birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn that's a mouthful um, but people just call it birds of prey. I'll just call it birds of prey. Um, is the second, of course, the second outing as with uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. She's also joined by a litany of other 
um, super villainesses, I guess. Uh, Huntress, uh, Black Canary, uh, Renee Montoya, um, and other, uh, and other sort of DC, uh, DC heroines. Um, Play, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yep. I was going to say you McGregor for a yeah. villainess, but uh, <laughs> he's not playing a villainess. No. Um, oh, God. Rosie Perez. Uh, I'm going to butcher names, I think, if I go through. Uh, Journey Smollett Bell hmm. as Black Canary. Uh, I don't want to butcher on more names. Yeah. It's, yeah as, as, also, as we also said, um, is uh, Ewan McGregor as Black Mask, which Black Mask hasn't been seen in in a DC film yet, so I'm going to be interested to see where he takes the character. It looks he looks zany and and crazy. Um, he has it, a really weird name on the IMDb thing. Yeah, uh, Roman Roman Sionis. Yes. Yeah, that's um, that's uh, that's the character. Ego. He's all yeah. the ego. Um, but. Um, yeah, it just when I saw the trailer, it just it just all superhero trailers to me look kind of kind of the same. Yeah. Um yeah. so I could I didn't have any bearing on it, but then I saw how people were reacting to it, and as we said, people are really, really excited. Mm. Not just because of Harley Quinn, mostly because of Harley Quinn, but like because of these because of like where the DC uh, is EU is going and the course correction they're having to do to to get it back get it back in working order? Yeah, I think it is going to be one of those that does rely on the initial fan reaction and uh, seeing what people are saying. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Yes. Um. Just just a little thing. I think in America this will probably do quite a lot better than it does here. Just because in America they've obviously had quite a movie drought at the moment, mm. whereas for the past three weeks there's been films coming out that are opening at like ten million or less. Obviously, this week we've had two new releases. One of them opened at six, and one of them opened but, under three. Yeah. So <laughs> people really want, probably want to go to see something. Yeah. And they're gonna see this. And this will, and this will, yeah, this will be it. Yeah, this will this will definitely get people back in the cinema after that drought, as you said, because you know the late lateness films that come out hasn't been doing so well. Uh, so yeah, this will definitely get uh, people people in seats. Hopefully, we have a fantabulous February. Yes, hopefully, hopefully we can look at this film and see it and see it and see it in the box office in no time at all. I'm sure we will. Yeah, we will definitely. Um, moving on, um, it is the UK release of Parasite, uh, Bong Joon-ho's new film uh, at one for, can we say what it won for, Laughter Wise? Uh, in the uh, film, not in the English language. That's yeah. the one. And original screenplay? Yes. And original screenplay. Um, I am excited about this film. Um, I I know some people who have seen it already say it's great one of the best films of like 2019 20 whatever think, you want and it's, it's and i'm that hasn't sort of taken away any excitement that i have for it i'm still very intrigued don't i've tried to distance myself the only trailer i saw was in the phoenix while i was waiting for another film so that's about all i know of it i tried to keep away from as much as i could but i'm excited 
Yeah, I believe it's pegged for a few Oscars as well, isn't it? Yeah. So quite a few, yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, this did really well last night. Um, I mean, getting original screenplay as a foreign language film is quite hard, I imagine. Um, I don't think that's happened many yeah, times I, before. I, no, I... I... Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see this. Um, I haven't really heard much about it other than it's good. And it's, as I keep saying, it's currently the highest rated film on Letterboxd uh, with 4.6 out of 5. It's also got a 96 on Metascore, which is very, very hard to do. Uh, it's obvious, it's out of 100. Yeah. Um, and it's by how much people like it rather than uh, what the uh, whether you like it or not. So if somebody gives this 100, they're saying that they like it quite a lot, yeah. which goes more into the score. Yeah, and I've heard nothing but great things about this film from everybody that I hear here on podcasts, on, on the radio. Everybody who's talked about this film absolutely loves it, which is great because, I mean, that bolsters my enthusiasm for it. Uh, and and the great, also great thing is I know hardly anything about it. So I'm glad to go in fresh yeah. and not have it spoiled by me because they tried their best not to spoil it, which is nice because they don't usually do that. So, um, yeah, I like it a lot. Yes. So that's it this this Friday. But you know what is also out that we were talking about earlier? Yeah. That dragon scene. Yeah. So uh Doolittle has its UK release also um this coming Friday. Um How little can it do? <laughs> probably quite a lot. Yeah, uh I I have no intention of seeing this film unless it was a part of some kind of dare, um, but it, it, it's, I, I don't it's know. strange dare that one. Time, I don't know. Though. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm certainly not interested in it. Yeah, it's got a song performed by Sierra, isn't that nice? Yeah, I mean, we 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 all don't have a lot to talk about here with this. It's coming out. Watch it if you want to. You're probably going to watch it if you have children who. Like dragons, I don't know. Who <laughs> like dragons? Yeah, I mean, don't take it if you want your child to like dragons. I guess. Yeah. Because Ooh. you're gonna see see a bit too much. Mm. Also, we were talking about this film a few weeks back. Um, it is coming finally coming to UK cinemas. It is underwater. Yes. Mm. Do you want to remind, if you can, think back how much it did in America? Because I'm not sure if it did. Because I can't, I can't even remember what what it what it did. I I'm, I know that it got some okay reviews, not the best, but you know that people like Christians to it more than they liked her in Charlie's Angels. But um, yeah, um, it did seven million dollars opening weekend. All right, and then it fell to three point seven, and then it fell to one point two, and then it fell to. Three hundred and sixty-two thousand. Yeah. So it's currently got sixteen million to its name, mm-hmm. which is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's. I don't know. Like, like it's is a weird. It's a weird. I think it's like a disaster-like film. It's a disaster. It's film. a disaster film under underwater in a base. 
uh, and the people, you and the people just have to, and those people just have to survive. So, felt spectacle more than anything else. Uh, so if you like that kind of thing, which means it had a budget of eighty million dollars. Yeah, right. And it's currently made thirty-seven point two million dollars on an eighty million dollar budget. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, this is going to flop here in the UK as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. I don't predict it to do well at all. I think there's no one really looking forward to this. No, no. Um, People, people like people might like go and see like do lots of because you know they have young children and they'd like to go and they'd like to go and see a person that can talk to animals. Um, so that'll do. I, that that'll do okay. But I don't have any. I don't have anything for it's, underwater. To, it's to a video film, though, really, isn't it? Um, the, you know, these films tend to or a streaming film, as we call them now. Well, yeah, I suppose. But um, yeah, once they've got. Uh, the the wider releases on the streaming services and DVD and everything that they'll do fine. That's that's kind of the reason they just chuck these films out, isn't it? Because eventually they'll make a return. So even if it doesn't make much at the box office, yeah, it is kind of hard on an eighty million dollar budget, and obviously because it didn't make much in any country really mm. it's going to have a really hard time ha- making TV deals for this yeah I suppose yeah but I mean you get what you give from really especially when you've only made 40 million dollars yeah throughout the whole world mm-hmm. um, next on the list is a film that I hadn't heard about until this morning when I watched the trailer and that is uh, Mr. Jones an allegedly true story about a Welsh journalist who tries to sort of go go to like interview Stalin during the 1930s sort of Soviet Union thing where things got well no it's yeah it's less um Stalin himself as yeah, much as Stalin himself uh, but it's just Stalin's Russia yeah yeah it's that it's that very uh it's t- sort of a typical story of that behind the curtain. Yeah, based on a true story type worldview of, yeah. type of film, really, isn't it? Uh, it didn't look for me. It didn't look it looked very grey and, and drab. But uh, I mean, uh, that's of course <laughs> it is Russia in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, I think that, yeah, that is the uh, general thing. Is um, that uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I suppose that's also out. If you like, sort of, no polit- yeah. like political, recharge sort of. Needless no, whether this is to say, or a drama. However, if you're a fan of 1930s uh, Stalinist uh, cinema, um, this is not that kind of film. No. Um, although uh, I don't know how familiar you. You are with, I believe you were there, Dan, when we, we, I can't remember what it was, but that, that tends to be quite drab. You're in a bit so. that, like, worker film. Yeah, I forget yeah. the name of it. Go see know. Strike instead. It, strike, yeah, it was Strike, yeah. Go see Strike or Man with a Movie Camera. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's going to be quite as drab as Strike. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Uh, and from the maker of Mandy, which uh, had Nicolas Cage in it, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Daniel isn't real. Daniel isn't real. I'm not here. Uh, yeah, uh, you're not there. No. Yeah. Who are you? I don't know, but this one has Patrick Schwarzenegger in it. Yeah, it also has, uh, I think he's... Many people. Yeah, I think he's 
uh, a newcomer I haven't heard of him, Miles um, Robbins and Sasha Lane, who was from uh, American Honey a couple of years ago. Um, and I like Sasha Lane. I have never seen Patrick Schwarzenegger in anything, I uh, but I I, I'd watched the trailer and it, it looked quite entertaining. I'm going to lie. Uh, look really sort of very bloody and violent and like Mandy, like Mandy, yeah. Um, and I'm sure it can pull that sort of like same class, it uh, same crowd. It's uh, Blumhouse again. Um, and uh, it's it's well, I mean, the trailer got me kind of interested in it, so maybe that interest can further me to actually go and see it. To see what it see what I mean it's not gonna be in many theatres. I know it won't be in many, but you know, it might it might be on at the Phoenix and I just might want a, a late night a might late night slaughter face out of it. I don't know. Yes, also coming out is plus one, but we talked about that a couple of weeks ago when we thought it was coming out that week. But it's been rescheduled. It has. <laughs> right. Um but you probably won't be able to find it anywhere. No. It's yeah, it's... I think Ellis should talk about his film now. Yes. <laughs> Can do, if you like. I would like to talk about Uncut Gems. Have either of you watched this film? I have, yes. You have. Um, two words, Tom. Can you give me two words? Uncut Gems. Well, <laughs> just to describe it, because I think we might be on a similar wavelength. Anxiety-inducing? <laughs> Uh, you, yeah, that's that, that was pretty good. I, I thought it was a bit of a slog to get through, to be honest. Um, oh, I, did, I didn't. I was, I was locked in. I need to... I was locked in from scene one. I need better words. This, this was why I asked for, for it. Because um, it's, it's a long film. Uh, it's quite, yeah. I think it's about two... It's, well, it's so long. It's about two and a half hours, isn't it, I think? Yeah, two hours really. and 15 minutes. Two hours oh, and 15 minutes. Yeah, two and a quarter. But it feels two hours and 15... You, I think you do feel every minute of it. But needless to say that, it's gripping. Um, the pacing's almost quite strange um, because uh, the main character, um, played by Adam Sandler, and... I forget his name, um, but Howard. Howard, yeah. Um, he's always going somewhere yeah. in the film, and he and what it is, you feel it's uncomfortable, isn't it? It's a very uncomfortable film. That's probably a better word. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you just constantly feel like you want to slap the main character. Yeah. I think that's because it. It's just like you're constantly thinking, when's he going to recognize that he's, you, you know, he's got a problem here yeah. you know what i mean yeah um and yeah so it it's sort of in many ways it's a very tense type thriller but in a very different in a very different way yeah um it's probably the best way of describing yeah. it there's a lot of very loud, loud very, yeah there's very a lot loud, of shouting a lot of shouting a lot yeah. of just like a lot of kind of sort of like crazy sort of like like really sort of jingly camera shots. Yeah. Just, just, it's just, it's just on almost all the time. There's no slowing down. No, not, I think the, it, it ends more or less the way you expect it to end. I think. Yeah. yeah. There, there was a slight bit towards the beginning where I, I half expected them to go some kind of weird sci-fi route. I was kind of wondering where they were going, um, just through, um, mm. 
thing. But uh, well, yeah, to summarise it, um, so it is the film essentially is about a uh, pawnbroker of sorts. Um, he's sort of like an expensive pawnbroker, isn't it? Really, um, I don't know what the official term is. Uh, and he gets a rock, which is a very posh rock. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so. Uh, See, I I I don't know um, basketball really, but I think Kevin Garnett is a, is a real basketball yeah, player. He is. I believe. Yeah, that's actually him in the yeah. film. Um, and there's somebody else in it who's pretty famous. The weekend. The, yeah. the weekend. The weekend. The <laughs> weekend. Yeah, the there week- we go. The weekend's yeah. also in it. You can tell I'm not in that crowd. No. Um, but uh, yeah, and essentially, he sort of thinks it makes him better at basketball and all that sort of stuff. But he's a ve- but Adam Sandler sort of portraying a sort of kind of like a typical failed uh, sort of uh, Italian-American type businessman. Yeah, I think he's Jewish. He is Jewish, yeah. But I mean, he, I mean, in terms of the, the way he he goes about, about, situ- about yeah, the way he's portrayed is yeah. that t- similar to something like, you know, uh, The Godfather or something like that. Yeah. Right. Um, but, yeah. yeah, so I, I can't think of many much else to say about it because I I enjoyed it but yeah you do I, you do feel feel the minutes um but I think it is because you're sort of scratching the edge of your sofa the whole the whole time yeah because you just think what what on earth is he going to do next um I do think it's possibly marks the turning point in Adam Sandler's career that people have been waiting for slash expecting for a good long while yeah yeah uh, he had something similar in um punch drunk love paul ws anderson's film yeah, yeah. um kind of a similar more dramatic role yeah um but this one uh he's just, he just like blows the roof off yeah yeah no he is right it's and i think in many ways it, it is still it's quite a subtle comedy um mm. it's it's one of those um f- films that's trying to find the humor within tragedy yeah uh, and there's a very um you know sort of go a bit old school on it i think that there are a lot of links to some classical sort of greek literature there um yeah which are probably very worth very worth analyzing if only i had the time to do it in the show mm. but um but yeah uh, go watch it it's out on netflix I, it's not actually out to US audiences, yeah. For some, pe- that's, that's because it's in the cinema now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it still, it still, still seems odd because it's had a scattered bit of a scattered release over it's here, hasn't it? An international um, release, yeah, on Netflix. Yeah. So it did release here on the tenth of January. Yeah, yeah. In only, limited release, only to, yeah. a few, only to a few cinemas. Yeah, because yeah, it was it was actually shown at the Phoenix, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. That's where I saw it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then basically all these countries got it on the internet. Oh, okay. yeah. I can. I can. It's almost somewhat surprising that it's a Netflix film because. I can imagine it being 10 times worse in the cinema. I can imagine being on the edge all the time. Cause I said that about 1917. It was, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a very fun, but not so fun experience in the cinema. Yeah. I was very, very, you know, shaky and, 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 and agitated. I think, uh, yeah, the, di- the difference is experience. a cinema 
it feels like there is no escape. You know, if I, if I'm at home watching it, I can go up and go have a drink of water and settle myself for, yeah, exactly. for ten minutes, exactly. which right. I didn't have to do. But, but there is no there is no escape. Yeah, right? uh, and um, you know the, the Safdie brothers, I think, have done it again. They're yeah. also very good with uh, Robert Pattinson in Good Time, uh, which yep. was also very good. And they just, I think they've 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 taught themselves here. Uh, with Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. So, yeah, like for the final time, that is Uncut Gems. Um, that was Ellis's film, Uncut Gems. It Dan, was indeed. What have you seen this week? I have seen a film called Miss Americana, and I'm sure everybody knows what this is. Uh, it's the other film that came on Netflix this week, because uh, there was two very new releases, and Miss Americana is one of them. Um, so it follows Taylor Swift in a documentary type style, directed by Lana Wilson. Uh, it goes through her life since basic. Mm, I don't know when. When does it really start? It's kind of like it starts at the beginning of 2018. All right, but it does go back to some archive footage and stuff from basically when the Kim and Kanye. Uh, drama happened, stuff like that. But I think where this really does shine a bit more is when she's talking about politics and where she stands on not using a voice to talk about it before. But in the midterm elections in 2018, she started uh, giving her opinion. Uh, also, a new song that uh, was released with the f- film was only the young which also uh, touches on the same types of yeah. themes um she also um when uh, she was talk- she was talking about Donald Trump basically and she was very scared of him uh being mean to her kind of and um re- replying about uh, and getting hate off everyone who supports Donald Trump because that's a that's a very that's a that's a that's a fear that I think a lot of people have who are left leaning and are celebrities because they're they're basically like a mob, yeah, with their pitchforks and uh, fire, yeah, and torches, yeah, yeah. It's it's really it, it it was nice to see, yeah. So it doesn't really lean on most of the, like the Taylor Swift's personal life. Nothing, nothing. It, it be, does. No, it does. Does it sort of chart her like rise, but then it's mostly about the political stuff or? No. Okay. okay. One second. (laughs) Uh, But yes. Okay. So where was I? I was, I was going to make a point, but I've forgotten it. Um, So yeah, the Donald Trump thing, but then there's there's a clip of Donald Trump uh, himself uh, getting asked a question like, uh, oh, um, after what Taylor Swift said, do you like your music as much? And he was like, oh, I like it about 25% as much. All right. I was like, who cares? <laughs> who cares about, about what Donald Trump thinks, honestly? Mm. Um, but then there is also some harder discussions about uh, eating disorders. Uh, we go into uh, Taylor talking about not eating. Uh, when she was doing shows and feeling tired and feeling exhausted and wanting to pass out and stuff like that. Um, and she was like, oh, I I don't have to feel this way. 
um, because now she, now she, I think she actually has like a proper um, eating habit, mm-hmm. um, and she's like, oh, the feeling that way was bad because it, it, I don't have to do that. I don't have to feel like I'm going to pass out after doing a show. Yeah, yeah. And we also talk about, um, well, that we also talk about, me and Taylor don't talk. No, yeah. Oh, unfortunately. No. Um, but we, we, there's a discussion about uh, her mother um, who uh, has had a battle with cancer uh, and has a brain tumour. Um, so that was also very hard to get through. I know a lot of people cried at this. I didn't myself because I didn't think it was... I don't think you'll cry at this documentary. No, I don't think... I don't have as much emotional stake in Taylor Swift yeah. as I know a lot of other people do uh, but it looks quite interesting in the fact that it talks about a lot of things around Taylor Swift her her sort of her more about her personal demons and about her you know her bit about her family life and then a bit about her sort of stage career um, so it sounds like a sort of like a, a pretty detailed uh, account of where she is Mod, like in sort of modern times doesn't really does look back at the old Taylor Swift it but does a little bit focuses but focuses mostly on the on the like on um, on the here and now basically yeah. well if here and now was 2018 there's a bit from 2019 <laughs> yeah um, but it's basically so it's an hour and 25 minutes mm. so I think that's the biggest downfall of this documentary yeah it should have been longer it should have been. It should have been about two hours. I think it would have been. They would have had so much material for two hours. Mm. Um, but I mean, you get what you're given, kind of. Yeah. With this. Oh, fine. And it, it. What What I was given was just great. I I really enjoyed it. Mm. Uh, I enjoyed having a little insight into Taylor Swift's mind at this point in her career mm-hmm. because obviously she's just turned 30 which is old for a lot of uh, music people it's not really old it's no. just old for music people but well, not even <laughs> not it's, even for, it's not... for female music people yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, it's not just uh, men can be as old as the like and yeah. have a fine career in the industry yeah. it's just women tend to peter out at mm. like 34 or something like that so she even mentioned it in the documentary. She's like, "Oh, I've got four more years left." Yeah, exactly. Until I'm gonna flame out. Mm. It's like, oh, I don't think she is. Yeah. To be fair, how long has she been in the been in the business for? Uh, since, since 2006. So that was when she was. She was about 16. 16, yeah, 16. I was gonna say around around yeah. there. So she's been in there for a long time. For almost like a really long time. a really really long time like you know 15 years like almost 15 years so um so yeah um well, we also actually want to quickly mention hmm. we also get to listen to some of the performances from before uh she got famous all right so there was one when she was i think six years old so she, the music's been in her veins since for 24 years at yeah. least yeah yeah so yeah I, I think this is an incredible documentary i think everyone should have a little look at it yeah. but i'm a taylor swift stan as well mm-hmm. it'll be interesting because i did see i did see the one of her live performances 
film performances on Netflix, I think it was. I watched that with a friend and we were just sort of saying, how can this girl, well, this woman, um, you know, like we're looking at it from like a standpoint of how does this woman get so much, like how is, how is she sort of like really popular and this, this, all of all of the stage show was basically like spectacular. Everything was all lights and sort of, and, and the music of course. And then just there's a 60 foot snake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But we're just looking at it just like, how can this woman just, just have so much, so much to do, but then this would be a good companion piece to that. um, I think, because you look at it, you look at it from another another perspective. It's not just the shows. It's much more than that. Yeah. And to be fair, I've I saw that show. I saw it live as well. Mm. Um, that reputation tour was incredible. Yeah. Like. Oh, that's yeah. That's the one we were. Yeah. The amount of work reputation. and effort that it looks like that show's gone through. Mm. Like not only like the sixty foot snake. There was a tilted stage. There's like pyrotechnics. Yeah. All, all dancers, uh, it's all choreographed, all sort of uh, hours and hours and hours must have been poured into that show. Yeah. Uh, when we're just looking at it, just like this is incredible for, for like, for, yeah, she's really big. She's a really, really big pop star, but still like the amount of effort that's gone into it is just, uh, it's just amazing. Yeah, and that did win um, best tour of the year actually for that year. Oh wow! Um, so yes, what is your film? Um, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, take you back to uh, the late eighties uh, for two films that were very very um, well. One of these films were was were uh, I'm not really that big into anime, um, but however, uh, I feel that I. I needed to watch. Uh, I needed to watch this film or these films. If you don't know, if you listen to our last, our last one, uh, a few Studio Ghibli films have been, uh, have been, and are going to be released on Netflix in the in this month and then the up, upcoming months. Seven each month. Seven each month. Uh, there we go. And I've watched two of them. Uh, the first one I watched uh, was My Neighbor Totoro, and then from 1990, uh, 1988, and then I watched also Kiki's Delivery Service from 1989. Um, and I thought they were just delightful. Yeah. I thought they were just... <laughs> The the animation, uh, there is nothing like this style. There is nothing quite like the beauty and awe of of this of, of these of these pictures. Just and just the animation style, it just looks beautiful. And with my and with Totoro, it was it was a lot of what Totoro did informed some of. Ghibli's uh, new work because it's mostly to do with um, you know classic sort of like Japanese folk tales and sort of uh, they sort of how they how they sort of like young children well majority of young children that focuses on two sisters here just are pulled into this 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 great sort of almost like imaginary world and just and it's just it completely transports you. Um, and it's just, and it's just, it's just, 
so full of heart and meaning that I couldn't help but you know like smile all the way through it because it's just it's just so delightful yeah it's just it's just like it's a simple not a simple story it's a short film it's it's only and like like an hour and 26 uh, but they cram so much of that so much so much into the, that short time you know exactly who these are people are you know exactly what their situation is and then when the then when the sort of the fantastical elements kick in, you get more invested, and you get more. Um, it gets more like emotional as it goes on. I don't think I'd be that emotionally tied to to this, but the 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 animation, the voice acting was really good as well. I watched it, um, watched both of them in um, you know the English English dub. Uh, I watched uh, it in English yeah. sub. Um, yeah, uh, and it's it's just it's just really good. And now Kiki's Delivery Service was a was the the other one that I watched. Not as good as Totoro. Totoro is, I think, is a more of a classics like more of a classic style. Um, but I still found Kiki's Delivery Service a, a bit quite quite enjoyable quite enjoyable it still holds the beauty of of a ghibli film uh and still has the characters uh the really sort of strong the strong characters of the uh you know of their sort of well i don't know their their sort of pedigree but it's it's less sort of about a story about family and a story about like finding herself is about a witch who has to when she turns 13 has to go to uh a city that she's never heard of, um, in order to train her, train herself up, and then go home. Um, and then while she's there, she gets in with a, she gets in with a bakery, and they realise that she's a witch, and they can, and then they can use her to be a delivery girl. Uh, and so she goes around, and makes all these deliveries and things like that, and then gets swept up into this sort of kind of kind of new like new world which she hadn't sort of experienced before uh and i just felt i just thought it was um it was it was great it was great uh not as good as totoro as i said um because totoro is just timeless um there's less of the fantastical elements in in kiki um and it's just more of a straightforward kind of story uh but the animation is still perfect uh there's a bit of action in that just just like beautifully captured action uh like set like a set piece during the the climax of the film was very very impressive and it's just it's just another one of those delightful sort of films everyone in there is so warm and so kind and friendly that you just want to just want to be there. You just want to be there with those people in that in that imaginary city, and it's just it's just it's just it's just so good. Yeah. Um, have you seen either of these? Two? Have you seen? Have you seen? You've seen Totoro. I watched it a couple of days ago. Yeah. Yeah, and I I mean there are going to be some sort of there are Ghibli films that are more interested than others, uh, like. Um, you know, like Princess Mononoke, uh, you know, Wolf Children, and Tale of the Princess Kaguya are more interested than, say, Tales of Earth. Was it Ursi? Yeah. Um, and uh, I haven't watched I haven't watched Castle in the Sky, which I believe is 
Howl's Moving Castle? Or is that a different one? There's two, that's is there, two different ones. Is there two different ones? Right. Uh, Castle in the Sky, which is 86. I haven't seen that. That's out on Netflix. I need to watch that next and then get myself prepared for even more Ghibli goodness. So, good start. Yeah, Howl's uh, Moving Castle was 2004. Howl's Moving Castle was 2004. Oh, great. Um, uh, so, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I'll be reviewing more of these Ghibli films. I might be. I might, I'll have to see a lot of films hereafter. I'm planning to go and see Parasite uh, this week and then Lighthouse next week. Um, so they might get in the way of that. But if I do watch more, uh, if I do watch more Ghibli uh, in, in the coming months, I'll make sure to get back, uh, get back to you on, on my thoughts. But good start so far. Yeah. I really like, I really enjoyed both of them. Thank you very much for listening and uh, we'll catch up with you again next week. Goodbye. Oh no, is it over? Well, don't worry because if you head on over to Demon FM Podcasts on Anchor, you can listen to all of our other podcasts as well as keep an ear out for any new episodes. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. Go on, have a listen. I support you.